Teaching is not just a profession, it's a calling that empowers the next generation. But for new educators, the initial years in the classroom can bring unique financial hurdles that demand attention and solutions. In today's episode, we're going to dive into the significance of this topic, exploring how financial stability can significantly impact a teacher's effectiveness and overall well-being. Join us as we uncover the strategies, insights, and practical advice that can help new teachers not only survive, but thrive in their noble profession while maintaining financial balance. After all, when teachers succeed, our students succeed. So let's begin this journey to financial empowerment for educators. Welcome to episode 157 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. We share the latest educational research and best practices so that the new teacher can be better equipped for a successful classroom experience. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing financial tips for educators with our guest, Sean Morgan. But before we get into today's topic, I would like to ask you a question. Are you a brand new teacher that just graduated from college? Would you be interested in having somebody to mentor and guide you as you transition from college into the classroom? Well, if so, simply go to teacherclassroomresources.com forward slash TRA mentorship to learn more about the program. And now I'd like to take a moment to share a little bit about today's special guest. Sean Morgan is a full-time teacher a personal financial coach specializing in assisting teachers and the host of the Teacher Money Show. Since 2020, he has been writing extensively on personal finance and has organized virtual summits aimed at helping educators take charge of their financial well-being. Sean's deep passion lies in guiding teachers as they shift from a poverty-fixed mindset to a wealth growth mindset, drawing from personal experience. He has faced the challenges of supporting a family on a single teacher's salary and has made and learned from various financial missteps. However, these experiences serve as his motivation to aid fellow educators in surmounting their financial hurdles, recognizing their financial strengths, and achieving success. Sean's ultimate goal is to empower every teacher to have a richer wallet, classroom, and life. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. I'm really excited to have you on to share your expertise. Uh, I'd like to start by asking you, can you briefly share your background in education and personal finance? Yeah, you know, I've, I've been teaching for, for seven years now, and uh, I, I started off teaching in what's called a an internship which is uh-huh. not something most people have heard of. Uh, in Utah, they have a program where they, instead of having you do a uh, – student teaching program they put uh-huh. you in as the teacher of record just right, right right out of college uh, but they pay you a half salary because you're an intern mm-hmm. so i was getting half of what all the other teachers on you know a first year salary were making to teach full time and uh-huh. that was that was quite the the journey but uh, i i realized that half of what teachers were making was was nothing i was making well under minimum wage for the for that year and it was just really a struggle to, to make ends meet. Uh, I, I then moved into my my first year teaching, and uh, I, I was so excited to double my income. But what <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize was that uh, 
I wasn't going to double my income. I moved to a different state. That different state had higher uh, like pension uh, pullouts, and I wasn't having my pension being pulled out when I was working as an intern. Uh, this that new state had uh, you know insurance that I now had to pay for instead of giving getting a stipend and then getting free you know mm-hmm. government insurance because I was too poor in my first year teaching. So instead of doubling my income, my income went from seventeen hundred dollars a month to twenty one hundred dollars a month take home pay. Hmm. Wow, and it, it it was it was just a struggle. I was I was making that much money and trying to support uh, my wife, who is being a stay at home mom for our, our newborn son. And I just I realized that you know, I needed to do something about it. I, I started doing side gigs to make extra money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I knew I needed more income, so I went to get a master's degree, and I got the master's degree in in less than six months which was a really difficult uh, slog there, but I, I pushed through that and I missed the deadline for a pay increase by a few weeks. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I, I had this this huge uh, you know, push to improve my financial situation, but it, it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that I needed to understand finances better. I needed to uh, be able to take control of my own finances because being told how much money I was going to make, being told, you know, sorry, you missed it. We'll pay you more next year. Being told that, you know, you're just not going to make any more money at, at this job. Uh, I, I needed to figure out what I could do to increase my income and to keep more money in my pocket. Absolutely. And I know uh, there's lots of teachers out there that have side hustles because of teacher pay and things like that. So I could certainly relate to that. Um well, what inspired you to become an advocate for financial literacy uh, among educators? Um, you alluded to, to a little bit, but can you elaborate a little more on that? Yeah. So uh, with that that struggle I was going through, I, I was starting to learn my own personal finance, um, just trying to get my own personal finances in order. And I, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to podcasts and, and reading up on personal finance and I realized that most of the financial information out there didn't apply to, to teachers because people are speaking to the majority of Americans who have a regular, you know, for-profit employee job right? right where you right. can do things like work overtime and get paid extra money, which wouldn't we love that if we got paid overtime for oh my our, gosh. Our, our extra hours <laughs> Ain't that or the they have uh, they, they have like a, an employer match. And, and financial advice says, oh, you know, your employer match, it's, it's a great thing to get. You basically get free money, get the employer match. Well, you know, that doesn't apply to, to educators. Or they say, uh, invest in your 401k, just, you know, have uh, safe options in your 401k. But teachers don't realize that a 401k and a 403b are different. Uh, so we, we have, you know, problems with investing in the wrong things in, in our 403b because it's not the same as 401k. So I just had all these questions about, well, what do I do because I'm a teacher and and there's just not enough people talking about it. So I decided to learn it myself and start talking about it so that way teachers could become uh, financially educated about things that matter to teachers. And uh, another thing that inspired me was just realizing how ingrained this idea of I'm supposed to be poor is. Right, teachers. right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember my very first day, my my first real job teaching. Uh, we, they had the the HR person come up and they said, "Okay, let me tell you about all the HR things." And they had like you know a thirty second pitch on you know make sure you invest for your future. Mm-hmm. And they they said, "And you can you know put up to nineteen thousand five hundred uh, you know back then in your four hundred three B." And everyone in the room, 
every single one turned to the person next to them and said, yeah, like that's ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, Sean, I, I realize that a, a, a person doesn't get into the teaching profession and become a millionaire. Okay. But by the same token, a teacher should not have to, to, to live on food stamps either. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's that's ridiculous. And you hear you hear reports about that. But now, just a moment ago, you mentioned 403B. Can you speak to that? Uh, uh, you know, um, because educators often have access to to 403B accounts. Uh, could you talk uh, talk to that? Yeah. So educators have actually more retirement options than most people do. Most people have a 401k. Mm-hmm. And an IRA, because anyone can have access to an IRA. But ed- educators have access to a 403B, usually a 457B, often an HSA, which is a health savings account, but it can be used to prepare for retirement, uh-huh. the IRA, and then a pension. Uh, and in some places, you have access to a pension and Social Security, although there are some things to consider with that. But like, th- there's a ton of options out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just need to be careful about choosing the right option. So let's start with the 403B. Uh, the 403B has some problems with it that we need to be aware of. It is a very under-regulated financial product. Hmm. 401Ks have a lot of rules about them uh, that that the employers have to follow because it was created later. They, they were kind of better at it. Uh, the 403B was originally exclusively uh, a tax-sheltered annuity product. And an annuity is where you are paying money in to an insurance company, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they'll pay you money out at the end, just like a pension. You're basically paying for another pension with an annuity. Now, the problem with annuities is they are notoriously high fee products. Now, what do I mean by a high fee? It means anything that is charging you over 1% is a high fee. You might be like 1%, that's like super cheap. But no, 1% of your total asset value any every year yeah is is you know the maximum and then some of these annuities are doing two three four five percent of your total asset value that they're taking away for running this annuity program for you and your total returns are often going to be you know six seven eight percent and so they're cutting the your amount of money that you're getting back from your uh annuity product in half by yeah. taking those fees away and it's it's really uh, just dangerous for your ability to grow your money over the long term by having those high fees. And then the other reason why I don't like an annuity product, and some people do, and there are reasons to have annuities, but you already have a pension. So mm-hmm. getting another pension on top of your pension seems kind of redundant, um, especially since you already have that pension that is just built in instead of a high fee pension that these people are selling right. to you. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with the 403B itself because it's just a, a tax shelter code, right? 403B is just like the code. Yes. But you need to make sure that the products you're choosing in the 403B are lower fee products and they actually align with what you want. Uh, do you want to just grow your money in, in stocks? Do you want to have money in bonds? Do you want to have money in, in, in indexes or mm-hmm. in uh, in mutual funds, there's so many things, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it'd take a long time to explain all of those. Oh yeah, you need to make sure you understand what you are investing in, and not just say, "Oh, it's in my 403b, it's okay." So, because bottom line, there is, are so many options. Yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah, for bottom line though, would be uh, like make sure you diversify, right? Diversify what's in your 403. 
Yeah, and, and yeah. diversification is is the, the watchword because you don't want to lose money. The point that I'm making is make sure you have it invested in something in your 403B because you can put money in a 403B and not invest it. That That's possible. So make sure it's invested in something. And then what you're invested in, make sure that you're not going to be killed by fees because fees are the exact opposite of what you want to have happening in, in your whatever you're invested in. Uh, what you're invested in actually sometimes matters even less than how high those fees are because most of those products are going to have, you know, a, a return on your investment over the long term. You know, past performance is not indicative of future gains, but, you know, th- there's going to be a return most likely. And how high those fees are determine how much of that return you get to keep. Right, right. Okay. Uh, can you um, speak to some common financial mistakes that you've seen new educators make and 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 what are some things that they can do to avoid them? Well, going along with the 403B, one of the biggest financial mistakes people make is they buy their 403B and they get their financial advice from that guy in the suit handing out free donuts in the lunchroom. Yeah. (laughs) When you see that person handing out free stuff saying, hey, I can give you free financial advice. Don't walk, run. Okay. That person is not giving you anything for free. Now, some of them are okay, but if they're the one there with the donuts, they're usually the one that has a high fee product. Uh, you're welcome to talk to them. Just make sure you understand that the fees are where they're getting their money from. They are getting paid by charging you fees. Now, every time you get financial advice, you're going to get charged a fee. So don't be like, oh, you're charging me money. I don't want your financial advice. Mm-hmm. Naturally, people need to make money. Sure. But if they're charging that, you know, one, two, three, four, five percent uh, of your total, you know, investments, that's that's where that's the the free advice that they're giving you. It's it's not actually free. That's where they're going to make their money. So you need to avoid just taking their advice by doing some of your own research. Right. Make sure what they're trying to sell you because they are a salesperson is an actually good investment product. You need to make sure that the the returns historically are you know, a good average return. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average stock market return has been between eight and 10% over the past 30 years. So, you know, if you're going to make less than that, make sure it's lower risk. And if you're going to make more than that, then it's probably going to be really high risk. So just make sure you're aware of the risks and the rewards of those, and then make sure you are aware of the fees. That is the the number one mistake that teachers make is they just get into one of these 403B providers who have high fees and they have, um, high surrender charges. So if you try to change to a different provider, they charge you a bunch of money for that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just an absolute mess. And just as a side note, if you want to know more about this, um, there's a great website, 403bwise.org, that that tells everyone about everything they need to know about 403bs. They're, They're a nonprofit organization. Highly recommend them if you want to know more about how you can be aware of your 403B before you get into one of those products. Okay. I think that's fantastic there. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, Sean, uh, educators are really notorious for spending money out of their own pockets on classroom supplies. Uh, How can, you know, and this leads me to to this point here. How, How can they budget for these expenses and potentially write them off for tax purposes? You know, I would say that, first of all, this is another mistake that I see educators make is they think that they have to spend a ton of money to make the perfect classroom. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have a successful classroom without spending a ton of your own money. Uh, So before you start budgeting for classroom supplies, the first thing to do 
is to figure out how you can avoid spending your own money on classroom supplies to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, the, mm -hmm. the first thing is to ask. Often your school has a financial secretary or, or the principal if you don't have one of those. And you can ask, is there a budget to cover anything that you're going to buy? If you're going to buy something, ask, will you pay for this? Yeah. And the worst they can say is, no, there <laughs> yeah, you go, that's right. right? That's it. So, I mean, I, ha I had a principal who came to us and said, what do you need? At the end of this year, my principal discretionary fund is going to be returned to the, the district and I, we don't get to use it. What do you need? He, he was begging us to have something we needed to spend our, our money on. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to spend money on, you know, random stuff for, you know, for off of Amazon just because it's cute necessarily. But yeah. if you need supplies, first and foremost, ask if there's a budget for it. That's good advice there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Some schools have supplies on hand as well or a supplies budget or, uh, you know, there's a per teacher budget. So use those things first. Okay. Um, can you speak to uh, investing in professional development obviously is essential for career growth, right? So, but what are some financial strategies that educators can do to invest in their own education without breaking the bank? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of options out there for uh, professional development. And uh, I'd say the first thing is, is often free professional development that can count towards your uh, just like the necessary like recertification, it usually doesn't count towards like the the higher credits on your pay scale. Right. But if you just need that, you know, credentialing credit, look for free stuff. Don't just you know throw your money at something just to get it done. You can find things that are free that'll count, and that's that's a good way to find it. Uh, you know, for free to just keep your career going. Another thing to do is there's inexpensive alternatives to getting a higher degree. You do not need to go to, you know, the state college or uh, even worse, you know, like an Ivy League college to get mm -hmm. a master's degree, right? You know, a community college master's degree in education is just as good. There's a lot of options like that. I, I went through a, a online college and it was very inexpensive. My master's degree, because of the way I did it, cost me less than $4,000. Okay. So that's, you know, it's very possible. I, I got a mailer for cheap credits you can get like under a hundred dollars a credit from a, a, a school in Idaho. So I, I don't, I don't remember what the school is called, but there, there are options out there uh, to, to just get inexpensive credits for high, for higher education. Uh, a great friend of mine, uh, Jerry Bourne, the millionaire educator talks about this extensively. His, his son is about to graduate from high school uh -huh. and college at the same time wow. uh, because he's, he's done things to get the credits he needs and it was very, very inexpensive for them. So that's, that's something that he's very much so into is the alternative higher education. I would recommend you look there if that's what you're trying to do. And then the other thing is just move along the pay scale as fast as you can, right? If you need to increase your uh, income, right? Moving along the pay scale with professional development and higher education will, uh, get you there faster. Try and do it without debt, all right? Because debt's going to counterbalance the amount of money that you get extra on top of that. Mm -hmm. But if you've moved up the pay scale quickly, then the, you know, you just need the the recredentialing stuff so you can do the free options there. And then you're you're at the top. So that increases your income. So you're not breaking the bank anymore because you have a higher income. And then the, the last piece of advice I have, just because I, I think this is, there's so much great stuff you can do with professional development is, if you want to go on vacation during summer, mm -hmm. look into the vacations that are also professional development. If you haven't heard about this, there's there are teacher-led 
vacations where you get a, you know, like if you're like a history teacher, you love history, you get to go look at cool history things and then they give you credits at the end. Right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. There are yeah. so many options out there that you can get professional development uh, while doing fun things. Even uh, I, I know a teacher who went to the Caribbean to go snorkeling and that was her <laughs> biology like professional development because oh she was looking gosh. at biology, right? It, it's, <laughs> there are things that you can do to enjoy professional development and not just sit in a stuffy room looking at a PowerPoint and yeah. being like, man, I wish I hadn't spent this money. I, I hear you. <laughs> that that would be really cool to, to get involved in something like that. Uh, Sean, you know, uh, retirement planning obviously is a long-term endeavor, and I know you did address the 403B, um, but I'm just kind of wondering, how can new educators set achievable retirement goals and work towards financial security in their later years. Now, I know, uh, like I said, you, you spoke to the 403B. Is there any other types of things, uh, any other strategies that, that one could do to ensure their financial security, you know, after uh, once they retire? Yeah, I, I would say that the first thing to keep in mind is your pension is not guaranteed. Now, it, it'll probably be there, but pensions have a, a lot of issues right now. And mm -hmm. and states are trying to get out of pensions as fast as they can. They, they are you know, doing those tiers, they're reducing them. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're aware that the pension doesn't have to be there. there. There are some states where it could disappear on you. So if you are prepared financially without the pension, and then you get a pension, Awesome. But if you are banking on the pension and it's not there, that's going to, to leave you worrying. So start with that in mind. Be prepared to have as much as you need without your pension and you'll you'll be better off. And, and along with that, the you have to start now. Okay. Mm -hmm. You might be like, oh, I'm in my 20s. I have time. Time is your friend when you are yeah, retirement. That's planning. right. That's right. So starting now is is the the way to go, and, and the way to do it is to set it up automatically. So, you uh, whether you're investing in the four hundred three b or a four fifty seven b, which uh, by the way has a, a great little quirk that if you uh, invest money in there, you can get you know tax deferred and all the stuff just like a four hundred three b. If you in, leave your job, you can now withdraw the money that you put in there without paying the pre-retirement penalty of pulling money out of a retirement fund. Uh -huh. So a 457B is a great option if you aren't sure you're going to stay in teaching for the long term right? Uh, because you have that flexibility there. Uh, that's just like a side note. If you have yeah. all of these different um, options available to you uh, to well, put money in, you yeah. put it in automatically and it will uh, grow. So whatever option you choose, the, the first step is to automatically do it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this now. Uh, now, how about the 403B? Can if, if you decide to leave teaching, can you take it out and put it somewhere else without penalty? You can roll it over just something else. So you can roll oh. 403B over into something else. Um, and I believe it's just like into an IRA is where you can roll that into. Uh -huh. uh, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not your financial advisor. So please get your own financial advice from a qualified professional. But uh, you can uh, roll those over into other retirement accounts. Okay. Uh, but you like the 457, you can literally pull it out and put it in your pocket. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now okay. you have to pay taxes on it. It becomes taxable income. But yeah. you don't have to pay a 10% penalty for pulling that money out. Okay. All right. So, uh, okay. Is there any other, uh, like, any other kind of goals that, that an educator can do to, to work towards financial security besides the 403B or the 457 or IRAs or whatever, you know? 
Yeah. So there's different things that you can have to be financially secure. So putting money aside for retirement into those accounts, is great. Uh, the other thing to do is to make sure you have an emergency fund, mm-hmm. putting money into uh, an account that is not going to do anything special, right? A, a high yield savings account, usually within like an online bank is, is a great place to just put money in cash and let it sit there and do nothing until you need it, right? If, if you're- right car explodes and you need it and you don't have the money to, or, you know, fix it or something like that. That's where that money comes in because you have that emergency fund. And usually people recommend that you have three to six months worth of expenses set aside. So that way, if, you know, heaven forbid you lose your job, you can survive until you find another one. Mm -hmm. Although these days it's not that hard to find another teaching job. They're kind of desperate, but uh, you have that money set aside that is a, a huge thing to have on hand as a financial security. Uh, if you have dependents, life insurance, not whole life insurance necessarily, you you might you know consider it if there's a really good reason, but just like a, a, a good term, term life insurance policy uh, on hand, if you have dependents, if you have no dependents, please don't let anyone sell you life insurance because who are you giving that money to if you have no dependents? Um, that's just, that's my personal philosophy on it. Like if, if you don't need to pay somebody after you die, then- don't have life insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, th- those are things that you can have to, to have the right insurance in place, uh, having an emergency fund and having money going towards retirement. Those are going to set you up to be financially secure when you get to that point of needing it. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about financial goals. Um, uh, what are some of the realistic short-term goals and long-term goals. Let's start with uh, what we could um, reasonably do here in the short term versus the long term that educators should obviously consider setting up for themselves. Right. So short-term goals, I would make a goal for your emergency fund. How much do you want? Um, now, Dave Ramsey, who is a very big name in in mm-hmm. uh, the financial space, recommends starting with a $1,000 emergency fund, and then you can do things from there. I think that's a good idea. I think more is, is of course, better, but just making sure you can like have that little win of, I made it to having $1,000 right. in the right. bank. Mm-hmm. That's a great short-term goal. Um, and then another short-term goal is to take a step towards investing. Start putting money in, whether it's a small amount or a big amount, just, just get started uh, with your in, investing uh, for retirement, that is a good short-term, short-term goal. Now, if you're a brand new teacher, my, my piece of advice here is before that first paycheck even hits your account, mm-hmm. set some aside to retirement, 10%. Now you might be like, 10%, how could I possibly? Look, if you have 10% put aside immediately, you're not going to miss it. We are really good at spending however much money we have in our account. And when we run out, we stop because we have no more. Yeah. At least you ought to, or you're going to go into debt. So just being aware that if you have that money gone before you even get started, you won't miss it. And it'll start, you know, building up your, your nest egg for, for later. Uh, so I make a goal to just have a small amount taken out. Uh, 10% is, is 10 to 15% is usually a, a, a safe amount. If you're going to work full career to have plenty in the bank at the end, mm-hmm. make sure you check your goals and how much money you want to have in retirement and so forth. But that's just like a rule of thumb. Uh, and if you, you've, you've already started and you can't get there right now, start with, you know, 5% or, or even less than that, if you, if you mm-hmm. really feel like you can't, and then slowly increase by like a percent or two a year that you're putting a, a aside. So that way you are able to uh, increase the amount that you're 
putting towards your long-term goals. So that's like a short-term thing to do is start building that emergency fund. Just every single month have money going there. I'd recommend setting up an automatic transfer from your checking account to wherever you're saving it. Mm -hmm. And then just start putting away a little bit at a time. Okay. That's some sound advice. And again, for long-term? The long-term goal then is to be able to control your exit. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, What do you believe is going to give you the most power over your life? Uh, How much money do you think you need to have in retirement? This is where you start making uh, those decisions on like the big number that you're aiming for. Mm -hmm. And, And then you do the math to figure out like based on, I assume that I'm going to make an 8% or a 10% or a 6% or whatever return you're going to make in the stock market, which is not guaranteed, but what you think you're going to be able to, to make, you do projections. You say, if I put away $100 a month, where is that going to lead me? Okay, probably not enough. Let's put away $500 a month. Where is that going to lead me? And if you make those project- projections, you have that that number in mind of what you need to have set aside. So that way, Whenever the time comes for you to stop teaching, you are able to walk away, which is once again, why I like the 457B is that gives you that flexibility to walk away and have that money on hand. So Mm -hmm. that way you can transition if you are going to leave the teaching uh, profession. Um, I, I don't want people to leave, but I know that plenty of people do. So you don't want to be that teacher who feels stuck. Yeah. That teacher who says, Oh, I'm five years away from from my pension. I'll hold on for just five more years, and you know we all know that teacher. They're not in it. They don't love it anymore. They're not doing the kids any service. We don't want to be that teacher. Okay? Right, right. You want to be able to step away when you know it is time to step away. Or even worse, that that lady who's there substituting twenty years after retiring, and you're like, why are you still here? And they just need the money, right? And and that's what you want to avoid having happen to you at the end of your teaching career, or even in the middle of your teaching career, if you feel stuck because you can't walk away because you haven't set money aside. So making that large goal of what how much money you want to have in an emergency fund, you know, you can keep growing that emergency fund. So that way, if you want to walk away, you have that money to draw on to move on to something else and you know retirement goals so that way you can step away whenever it's time for you to step away from teaching instead of holding on for many years after you have lost that fire or that passion for right. teaching because because you have to have that fire and that passion otherwise teaching becomes one of the hardest things that anyone ever can ask you to do mm-hmm. and it can really just ruin it for your students yeah absolutely well sean let me ask you uh what is your biggest takeaway if you had to name just one thing that you would like to share with our new teachers and uh seasoned ones as well uh what would that be you know if you got nothing else from this i would say don't listen to the guy with the donuts (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the thing that's the number one thing that has just ruined teachers retirement finances over the years, because the guy with the donuts, you know, they're not trying to be malicious. They're just trying to sell you a product that's going to, you know, make them money, but also give you a retirement of some kind. But that retirement that they're selling you is not going to be as much as it will be if you can get a low fee, much better product, uh, like a a mutual fund or an index fund. There are plenty of 403B providers out there that provide these low fee funds. So if they're selling you whole life insurance, telling you it's for a retirement fund, that's not what a whole life insurance policy is for. It's for life insurance, not for retirement. Right. And if they're telling you that you have you need an annuity to supplement your pension, that's not 
necessarily true. I mean, it could be true and you you can do your research on annuities, but just keep in mind that if it's a high cost annuity, which most of them are, you're going to most likely be better off by just investing your own money in a uh, in something else that's low cost and just drawing that money yourself instead of expecting the insurance company to, you know, handle everything and then pay you a fair amount on your annuity back. So right. just keeping in mind that low cost, you know, low risk, like an index fund, uh, just look into index funds on, on what you think is going to be the best choice for you. Something like that. Uh, it will grow over your career. The fees won't destroy it. Um, and th there are plenty of, of financial advisors who will help you with these. So you don't have to do this on your own. Uh, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore because you've chosen the right product and you're able to just focus on teaching instead of uh, worrying about what's happening to your retirement, uh, you know, 10 or 20 years down the line when you find out that the guy with the donut sold you something high fee and you haven't made the progress that you needed to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, how can folks connect with you, Sean? You know, if a teacher wants to connect with me, uh, I take emails at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at teachermoneyshow.com. Uh -huh. uh, you can also reach out to me on Instagram at teachermoneyshow. And if you're interested in getting free financial coaching, if, if you if you need help with a uh, problem you have, you want to make a goal for retirement, you want to figure out a question you have about you know teachers and money, anything like that, you can go to teachermoneyshow.com slash guest, fill out the form there, and I'll bring you on the show and we'll be able to talk through it and get that free financial coaching that you deserve. Okay, well that that sounds great. Um, you know, Sean, I, I want to thank you so much for for taking time to come on our show and share your expertise on financial tips for educators. And I'll tell you, I look forward to at some point in the future having you back on the show again because this topic is really fascinating. And I know I wish I would have had this advice when I first began teaching. To be perfectly honest with you, you know. So it's been. I know our listeners are getting are going to get so much value from this. But again, thank you so much for sharing. All right. Uh, well, my friend, we have come to the end of today's episode, and I hope that you got some golden nuggets from today's discussion on financial tips for educators with our special guest, Sean Morgan. Now, I have some important news for you. First and foremost, if you enjoy our podcast and want to stay connected with us, there are now even more ways to do so. You could find us on several popular podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Chrome, iHeartRadio, and a host of other platforms. But that's not all. We know that many of you enjoy more than just the audio experience. For additional videos, behind-the-scenes content, and to connect with me and the rest of our community, make sure to follow us on YouTube. You can find us by typing at Teacher Rockstar in the search bar. Hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun. I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. When you get a moment, uh, visit my website and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and grab you our monthly freebie while you're there. Go to teacherclassroomresources.com to sign up. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others. Post about it on social media. Leave a rating and review. That would be greatly appreciated, as always. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend... You got this.